Hey, you're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in and around the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles throughout the week. And then we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Make and Multiply. I know it's been several weeks since I posted, but I wanted to finish up a three-episode series that I started on the doctrine of God. And in that first episode, episode 23, I just introduced and kind of gave an overview of the doctrine of God and talked some about the importance of this. I quoted A.W. Tozer, who says, What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. It matters more than anything else. It matters more uh, than anything else you know, anything else you have, anything else you can do, anything else you have done. Knowing God matters most because as human beings, we were made to know God. We were made to be in relationship with God. And so when Tozer talks about what comes into your mind when you think about God, he's talking about uh, your thoughts your beliefs, your perception of God. Do you know God? That's that's the fundamental question. Or to come at it from a, a different angle, we could say that all of our problem emotions and all of our problem behaviors come from our failure to know God for who he is as he has revealed himself in his word. Our failure to worship him as God, to honor him as God, to thank him as God, to trust him for who he is as he has made himself known. So if that's our problem, the remedy is to know God. And the good news is that God loves to make himself known. He's been doing that from the beginning. He is a God who speaks, who communicates. He reveals himself. He makes himself known. Uh, Scripture contains the story, the unfolding story of redemption, where God is making himself known progressively throughout history to his people, ultimately and fully in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God who took on flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1 says. And John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Jesus makes the Father known to us. And then Jesus prays in John 17.3, This is eternal life, that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So so that's it. Eternal life is knowing God, which is why the doctrine of God, the attributes of God matter. Of course, it's totally possible to know doctrines about God. It's possible to know all of the attributes and be able to give uh, in-depth, detailed definitions of all of them without knowing God personally and relationally. However, it's impossible to know God personally and relationally without knowing true things about him. Just like uh, knowing any person, having a relationship with them is going to involve knowing things about them, uh, their likes and and dislikes, um, their character, their ways. That's that's what it means to be in relationship with somebody and, and know them. And so we want to know God. That is life. Life is found in knowing him as he has revealed himself to us in his son and in scripture, which is the only source of uh, true, reliable, authoritative uh, revelation of God's character and his attributes and his ways. So the doctrine of God is massively significant. Uh, talked some about 
uh, how we classify God's attributes. And we said that there are various ways that this has been done in the history of theology. Uh, Sometimes people talk about the relative and absolute attributes of God. Relative attributes would be uh, who God is in relation to his creation, and his absolute attributes would be who God is in and of himself. Or uh, sometimes the classification is used of his Immanence and his transcendence. Immanence is who God is within his creation. Transcendence is who God is outside of and apart from his creation. Uh, Or other theologians speak of the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. Communicable attributes being the ones that God shares in common with us. God is good. We can be good also. God is holy. He calls us to be holy also. His incommunicable attributes would be the ones that he doesn't share very much in common with us. So God is eternal. He has no beginning and no end. We have a beginning. We come into existence. And so we don't share that one very much with God. Um, So there are various ways to do this. And and I'm just kind of building off of um, a a passage in Scripture, Psalm 62, 11 and 12, which says, Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. So power belongs to God, and to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. And so I'm just talking about the attributes of God in uh, episode 24, and now this one in terms of his His goodness and his power, or his steadfast love and his power, those two things that Psalm 62 refers to. Uh, we see that theme of transcendence and imminence in Isaiah 57, 15. Thus says the one who is high and lifted up. So that's his transcendence. He's high and lifted up and exalted. He inhabits eternity. His name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. So that's God's imminence. He he is high and exalted and lifted up and transcendent and above and beyond us. And yet he is also with the lowly and the broken to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. So he is imminent as well. So I'm talking about God's attributes in terms of his goodness and his power. Uh, Check out episode 24 to to hear more about God's attributes of goodness, as as I called them there. And here I want to talk about some of his attributes of power, beginning with his independence. And again, the purpose here is not to do an in-depth, exhaustive examination of these, but just to kind of skim the surface and um, introduce you to some of these. Many of them you're already familiar with, but just by way of reminder, uh, the, the, the purpose of knowing these attributes is to know God And as we know him, uh, these truths about him function in us, in our hearts, in our minds, as we believe that they're true. And so uh, I want to mention some of the the application or the significance of these as we go. So his independence, uh, we we also refer to that as his aseity or his self-sufficiency, God's existence in and of himself without need for anyone or anything else. And this is just absolutely astonishing when you Stop and consider, like God reveals himself to Moses in uh, Exodus 3, 14, when, when Moses is at the burning bush and he's asking the question, who, who should I say sent me? And God's answer is, I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. I am that I am. Uh, that declaration by God, I am, uh, points to his complete self-sufficiency. God exists independent of anyone or anything else. He is uncreated. He has no beginning. He is self-existent. He's not relying on uh, matter. Just think about if you pinch your own skin, you are made up of matter and you're made up of old 
matter that has always been around in other forms. You're made out of dust. From dust we come to dust we return. God is not made up of any other stuff. Uh, He doesn't depend on food. He doesn't depend on uh, oxygen. He doesn't need water. He doesn't need anything. Uh, He exists in and of himself, and everything else that does exist depends on God. So, So that's important. God needs nothing. Everything else in existence needs God, was created by God, and depends on God. And since God has no needs, just think of the significance of that for a minute. Um, If he has no needs, then he is himself an inexhaustible source of help to you when you have needs. Uh, He never grows tired. He never grows weak or weary. He is an inexhaustible source of grace and mercy to help you. Exodus 3 7 through 8 says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them. So right there in proximity when when God is telling Moses that he is, I am, he's also expressing, I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them. God is able to help because he himself has no needs, completely independent of everyone and everything. Another attribute of God's power is his immutability or his unchangeableness. God never changes. Think about what a comfort that is. If God did change, that would imply that he was changing either for the better or for the worse. But if he changes for the better and improves, that would mean that yesterday he wasn't quite as good as he is today because he's progressively improving. If he changes for the worse, that would be to our detriment. But to know that God is perfect in and of himself and he's never changing that that's an incredible source of stability and confidence for us god is the same yesterday today and forever there is no shadow of turning in him and so that strengthens our faith and our confidence Uh, another aspect of god's power is his infinity and his infinity we can think of that in relation to several things we can think of his infinity in relationship to space we we typically call that his omnipresence he is outside of space he's present everywhere Um, we can think of his infinity in terms of time he exists outside of time and he acts in time we call that his eternity he um, has always been and he always will be We can think of his infinity in terms of um, his relationship to matter as well. We usually call that his omnipotence. He has all power. He can do absolutely anything. So taking each of those, God's omnipresence, he is present everywhere. He's not confined by space at all, and yet he is active in space. He's active in his universe that he has created. Um, God's omnipresence means that God is present with you wherever you go and the psalmist takes great comfort in that psalm 139 7 through 12 there's no place you can go to escape from god he knows you he sees you he loves you he cares about you Uh, he has no size and he takes up no space and he's not limited by space or time in any way and yet he's acting in it for your good the the omnipresence of god means that um well there are several applications of this one is if you think you have any hidden sins you're, you're acting like a functional atheist forgetting that 
God is with you everywhere you go, and he sees and knows all things. Uh, On the other hand, God's omnipresence is a tremendous comfort to those who experience deep loneliness or debilitating fear or crippling anxiety, because while you may feel like you're alone, that feeling is inaccurate. It's not true. The truth is God is with you. Uh, Whatever fear or anxiety or worry you feel when you're overwhelmed, uh, God's presence begins to overpower that fear and worry as you know and trust and believe he is with you always. And Jesus, that's what he promised his disciples when he gave them the great commission and then departed, ascended into heaven. And he said, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So that's a comfort. Uh, God's eternity means that he's not confined by time. Think about it this way. God's presence, omnipresence means he's present everywhere. God's eternity means he's present in every when, in every time. Uh, This means that if you're worried and anxious about the future, it's not just that God is going to be there in the future when it's happening. It means he's already there. He sees the past and the future as if it's the present to him because he is not confined by it. He exists outside of it. And so he already sees that, that if you're worried about tomorrow's troubles, if you're worried about next year or decades from now, God is already there and he's already there in all of his fullness and all of his goodness and all of his grace. And so you don't need to worry. You can trust him with that. God's already waiting for you there. Uh, in terms of his omnipotence, that, that means that God is able to do whatever he pleases. God never lacks the energy. He never lacks the ability. He never lacks the knowledge to do exactly what he desires to do. And he's never hindered by anything outside of himself. No one can hold him back. No one can stay his hand. So while we often have desires that we'd like to carry out, but we lack uh, the resources to do it, God is never lacking anything and he can do absolutely anything that he pleases. However, it's important to, to know that when we speak of God's omnipotence, his power to do anything that he pleases, um, there are some things that God cannot do. And to say that there are things that God cannot do is not a threat to his omnipotence. It doesn't undermine or contradict his omnipotence at all. Uh, think about it this way. God cannot contradict his own character and nature, which is why I I love the wording of Psalm 115 verse 3 to define God's omnipotence. He is able to do whatever he pleases, but he won't do, he can't do anything that he displeases, anything that's contrary to who he is. So God cannot cease to be God. Uh, God cannot lie, Titus 1, 2 says. Uh, God cannot do the logically impossible. God can't diminish his own glory. There are things that God cannot do. And it's not because of weakness. It's not because of inability. It's it's actually a result of God's unity of character and his unchangeableness because that's who he is. He is unchanging. Um, then he can't cease to be God. So this is all consistent with his character. And it's a tremendous, again, comfort to us because since it's impossible for God to lie, that means all of his promises are trustworthy and true. Uh, that means everything that he says to you is a steadfast anchor for your soul, and you don't need to worry that he may 
change his mind or break his promise. Um, God's omnipotence secures our confidence, our joy, our comfort, because God is able to do all that he promises. Nothing is too hard for him. So if he says he's going to do it, we can be sure he's going to do it. And nothing will arise that will surprise him or thwart him or frustrate him. He can and will do exactly what he says to us. Last attribute of his power I want to mention is his unity. Uh, When we speak about the unity of God, we mean, on the one hand, that God is numerically one. There is only one God. There are no other gods. Um, He and he alone deserves to be worshipped and praised forever. Um, But we also mean that God is simple. Uh, that, that is, he's not made up of parts. And I think it's important to end with this because when, when you think about all of the attributes of, God's, of God, the ones that we've talked about, the ones that we haven't, um, don't think of these attributes as different parts of God um, or different hats that God puts on at different times, different roles that he plays at different times. Uh, God is a unity. That means he is all of these things, and they're all connected. Um, So God's holiness is loving. Uh, His omnipotence is good and righteous. God is all of these things, and and so we can speak of him kind of looking at him from different facets, but he's not ever just one of these things at the expense of some other attribute. He is all of this perfectly and fully forever without changing and without failing. And he is what he is. By his grace, he's pleased to make himself known for your joy, for your satisfaction, for your comfort and security in him. What a blessing that is that the overflow of God's joy and delight in himself, in his own goodness and glory, it, it overflows as his willing desire to make himself known to you, to bring you into relationship with him so that you can trust him and love him forever. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, please email me at ryan at emmausroadsf.com. And if you're not currently part of a huddle or MC, let me know and I would love to help you get connected. If you're interested in more, you can find this content in our Discipleship Huddle Guide, which is based on the DNA Guide by Saturate Resources. The music on this episode is called Everywhere by Lee Rosevere, and it's used under a Creative Commons license.